great to be here with you, great to be worshiping with you. And uh, man, we're walking through a series called Summit Life, Summit Life. It's not been long that we switched over to this name, Summit Point Church, and we're looking to make much of our God in every facet of our life. As we talk about being Summit, it means we're here to belong, pursue, and experience our living God. What does that mean? What does it mean to be able to experience the breadth and the depth and the awesomeness of our King, to experience our God? Each week, what we're doing in this series in Summit Life is we're taking a moment to look at how God is working with someone and giving them sort of a mountaintop experience. These are those moments that we can have with our God where we can drink deep of His awesomeness in some way. Like, what is it that's going on that we can experience of our God? That we could have a daily, regular, unbelievable, life-changing experience with our God. That's what we're going through. So each week, we're looking at a different mountaintop moment. It's really interesting how many times when God wanted to show someone His unbelievable vastness, power, awesomeness, whatever, He would walk them up to a high-top moment, a, a, really a summit moment, and say, this is who I am, and He would deliver the greatness of Him in some new fashion. So today, we're looking at what it means to experience His authority, to experience His authority. So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 16. 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 16, as we look at what it means to experience God in all of his authority and power. 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 16. And uh, just so we understand as we pick this up, we're talking about what it is to experience this daily and regularly. First step, first point, stand true to your God alone. Stand true to your God alone. Make sure that you understand who your God is and you're taking a stand with him. <clears throat> now, I'll tell you, before we get started in this passage, it's really important for us to understand the context. Like, what's going on as we begin to pick up this story? So if you remember back, we started at the beginning of Summit Life here, the first week of this series, we started with Abraham. And that was some 1900-ish BC, we'll call it about that. And Abraham having this moment with Isaac and, and this experience with him and this promise from God that there would be this hope through Isaac, this offspring that would be massive, there would be this nation, there would be blessing into all the lands and all the people would be blessed. That was promised to Abraham, right? Four or five hundred years later, you have Moses, and Moses beginning to work with this nation Israel, who is the offspring of Abraham. He's working with Moses, and he's ending up revealing out what needs to take place. Moses takes the nation of Israel out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. They're moving forward, and as they move forward, they are going into what would be the promised land, but they don't trust enough. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. Right? And in not trusting, God says, all right, that's it. Forty years of wandering around in the desert, Moses taking them the whole way, gets to the back end of that moment, and we looked at that then where Moses is seeing the promise fulfilled as all of the promised land is being revealed to him. Moses, though, ends up passing away on the Jordan side, not coming across. That nation moves into the promised land, takes over, goes through a period of times with really rough moments, ends up deciding they want kings, bringing kings in, 
human physical kings, and these kings start to lead in Israel. It's hundreds of years in on that that we're picking this up. One of these kings is Ahab, and this dude is not a good king. He is a mess. He is self-absorbed. He is into everything he wants. He is going after idolatry. In fact, this whole Baal worship, which is something that was going on in the local area, they picked it up. He picked it up, started to go about worshiping these ridiculous idols, ending up trying to celebrate in various ways his own flesh and being super committed to blowing off God's commandments, doing what he wants. Ahab is in massive sin. And there was a prophet there. Elijah, who came to him and said, Ahab, this has to stop. It's got to stop right now. I've been talking with God and he's been impressing on me to give you this message. Knock it off or it's going to get bad. And Ahab doesn't want to hear of it. And so Elijah, by message from God, ends up saying, look, here's what's happening next then. There is going to be a horrible drought. Three plus years of no rain. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be hard for Israel, and the people are going to grumble against you. That's what's coming down. And as Elijah steps away, that's the last moment that there was any rain for three plus years. Can you imagine being Ahab? You're wrong in what you've been doing. You know you've been a punk. It's all about your misaction. But the last thing you want to do is take the blame yourself This other prophet came in here and he's trying to stir it up. He's got this whole drought thing taking place. Kind of hard for us to identify with the word drought right now around here, right? But the reality is he's like, there's a drought going on and it's because of that guy Elijah and Ahab super ticked off about it all. Message comes after three plus years saying, hey, it's time for you to get together with Elijah. There's some things that are going to take place of change. Now we pick it up on the stand true to your God alone. Verse 16, it says, So Obadiah went to meet Ahab, the king, and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? Are you hearing it? Hey, man, let's see if I can shift the blame to that guy, right? Is it true, you Troubler of Israel, have you ever noticed how when you're in trouble, you always look to blame the authority that actually put you in the trouble? Have you ever noticed that? Like that's what's going on. And you'll notice it with your kids and you'll notice it what goes on in this society and that's what's taking place. We have this problem right here where he's blaming the guy who was the messenger from God. It says, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel. Have you ever been that guy who's been falsely accused? And you're like, what? That isn't even close to true. I love that Elijah actually answered the question. Because he should have just probably moved on. He's confident in who he is in God. He could have just easily said, whatever, and kept going. No, he says, what? That is not true. I have not troubled Israel. But you have and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. You walked away from the law that God gave, and you went after idol worship. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at the Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, and who eat at Jezebel's table. He's like, get for me all those people who were leading Israel astray. You 
And all of those people, there's 850 people listed here. 850 people. Just so we're clear, that's like pretty much everybody in this room, plus a little bit is in this room, right? We've got probably 1,000, 1,100 in here, but 850 to 900 people coming together. This is what the stack of people would look like as they were going to be rallied. Get them all together, bring them to one place, Mount Carmel. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. All the prophets and representatives from everybody from Israel. Most likely you have some from each tribe and probably even some from each family. So you have by the thousands people rallying to Mount Carmel. This is a mountain that's up close to the Mediterranean Sea. It's in Israel. In fact, we were able to go visit Mount Carmel. You can go up to the top of. And we were standing in the exact place that he was calling this to. This moment on Mount Carmel where God is going to reveal out who he is. And he has this almost a thousand people plus rally together. It says, and Elijah came near to all the people and said, I love this phrase, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? You got to imagine this one man of God who's been calling it out for years. So he declares out, how long will you go limping? Right? He didn't have a microphone. So he's crying it out. Will you go limping between two different opinions? Like, why are you trying this idol worship thing when you know who the king is? I love this word limp. If you actually look at it in the original language, it means to dance with exhaustion. That's what it really means. So they put the word limp on there, but you can picture somebody who's been dancing at one of those weddings you've been at, right? And they're going for a long time and they're kind of like their arms are down and they're trying to do this worship of Baal thing and it's going nowhere. It looks almost like you're limping around between two positions. And, and how are you doing in your walk with God? Are you limping between two positions? One where you're making much of your king and one where you're making much of self. And may we set down the ridiculous idol worship and may we go after our king with all we've got. And all of God's people said, no more limping. May God get all the glory. He says, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer a word, right? Can you imagine? You rally them all together and you're like, how long will you go on limping? Like, if Baal answers in the next thing we're going to do here, then follow him. If God answers, then follow him. And they all feel like they're busted. You know what I mean? That moment where you feel like you're getting yelled at. And so you kind of start looking down. And he's like, this is what you need to do. Oh, brother, this isn't going to be a good day. Right? They're just like, we have no answer. We're not going to give him words back. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only. Have you ever felt like you were that guy? I, even I only am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Maybe you're that lone person at work who takes a stand for Jesus Christ. Maybe you're that lone person in your own home who takes a stand for Jesus Christ. 
Maybe you're the one who says it needs to be this way and everybody else is going another way. Elijah feeling pretty lonely in the moment. I, even I alone, am following the Lord, but 450 men have been leading you into worshiping Baal. He's like, okay, here's the plan. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, and put no fire on it. Notice he's like, let them choose. You get those 450 worshipers together, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. All the people then answered. Well, that's well spoken, right? They're literally sitting there. He's like, no more dancing between the two. Okay, there's kind of a scold. Knock it off with the bail thing. And then he says, how about this plan? Why don't we put the two up side by side and whichever one answers, that's the one you worship. How about we do that? And they're like, well, all right then. That sounds like a go. Let's go after that. Let's see what happens on this thing. Because they've actually been limping between two opinions. This allows their opinion to get lived out. They're not just being scolded. They're actually getting to see the actual authority of God. Elijah is taking a stand for the Lord. How are you doing at taking a stand for the Lord? Making sure that maybe it's even you're saying I and I alone, but you're standing with your God. You know, I was looking at some quotes this week. G.K. Chesterton, a great theologian, said, There is an infinity of angles at which one falls. There is only one at which one stands. There is an infinity of angles at which one falls. There's only one at which one stands. Reality, it's super easy to fall into sin. And all of God's people said, it's super easy to get dragged away and get into stuff. It's super easy to make it all about me. There's a million ways I can make it about me every day. Lord, may I take the stand. There is one position with your God, and it is an unwavering moment of worship of your king. There is no one and nothing that will pull me away from him. That's worship. May we stand true to our God alone. May we find the one position that keeps us upright. May God get all the glory. Man, if we're going to see the authority of God, hear me, we must be standing true to our God. May we truly figure out what that looks like. Next, see the truth. There is only one real God. See the truth. There is only one real God. These guys are going to be called to wake up and smell the coffee. These guys are going to be called to wake up and figure out reality. It starts out, Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Prepare it when? No excuses, guys. You get to choose. You get to be the one that puts the bull in the place and you get to be the one that has the choice of which altar and where it's getting set up and go ahead, you first. So he lets the Baal worshipers be led out and they go to choose their bull. He says, go ahead and you choose first. You call upon the name of your God, but put 
no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. Everybody say this is a terrible plan. When, when you start crying out to a non-existent being. Oh, TV! <laughs> some of you are like, I have Alexa. It actually kind of works sometimes, you know? <laughs> like, answer me! Right? And we start getting into this moment where we're crying out and we're longing for this non-existent being to answer. Oh, Baal, answer us! But there was no voice, and no one answered, and they limped around the altar that they had made. Everybody say limped. That's right. Bottom line, it's the exact same word. They danced with exhaustion as they tried to celebrate and worship a non-existent God. Oh, Baal, answer us. And there was no answer. It said that they danced around until noon. And at noon, Elijah mocked them. <laughs> you got to love that moment. Now, it doesn't say what was going on before it, but we've been up on Mount Carmel. I'm just telling you, there's tons of tall trees. There's some olive trees out there. You can get some shade. He probably went over, kicked back under a nice giant shade tree. You know, you put your arms up, just kind of have your legs crossed. You're watching them. You're like, maybe you should cry a little louder. Maybe you should go over there, right? That's all running through your head. And you're like, I so want to jam these guys, right? And he's just trying to be godly. He sits there quietly, respectfully, waiting for hours. Nothing happens. Finally, he stands up and he's like, all right, my godliness can't take it anymore. I'm collapsing into mocking. Here we go, right? And Elijah brings a little bit of humanity to the moment. He mocks him and he cries out, uh, cry aloud. Well, like, Maybe he can't hear you, this Baal you're crying out to. Cry aloud, for he is God, right? I mean, you're the one dancing around acting like he is a God. He must be God. Maybe you just need to be a little louder about it. And then he says, either he is musing, you know, like he's thinking. You know, one of those moments where there's this bale up there, and he's like, hmm, I wonder what I should eat today. And he's so deep in his thought that while you cry out, he can't hear you. He's deep in his own personal thought. Maybe he's in his musings or he is relieving himself. For real, Elijah said that. Maybe your God's having to go to the bathroom. Like, just so we're clear, he's bringing their God down to humanity and even lower. Do you understand that your God may be less than human? Maybe he's having human level problems. He can't hear. He's busy thinking about something else. He's got to go over and go to the bathroom. Or maybe he's just on a journey. He left. He went somewhere else. You were mistaken. And, or maybe he is asleep and he must be awakened. Does your God sleep? Because mine does not. Elijah calling out with some massive mockdown. And they cried aloud. They listened to him. Like, maybe you need to cry louder. And they're like, maybe we do. And so they start crying louder. And they're crying out to Baal to respond. They cried aloud and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. Just a little moment about cutting. 
And there's a lot of this that goes on in this society today. And the reality is there's a lot of hurt that can go into cutting. There's a lot of hurt that gets forced just by the cut, but more than that, there's a lot of emotional, social, relational hurt that's going on. And and I just want to say this really carefully. Man, if you are invested into cutting, please come talk to us. We would love to walk through that journey with you. We would love to bring help and healing to a moment. These guys were cutting. Why? Because one of the demonic moves is to take what God has created and tear it down. Just so you know, cutting is not something new to this generation. Cutting has been around for thousands and thousands of years, and the demonic move is to try to belittle that which God has made. May we step away from cutting. And man, if you're in this room and you're hurting and that is an answer that has somehow given some level of relief in a moment, please know it is not real relief. And we would long to hurt with you and walk with you on that journey. Come talk to us. We love you. Let's set that down. This plan was trying to go after cutting and it did not work. Everybody say it's a terrible plan. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, and no one answered, and no one paid attention. Everybody say, no one paid attention. They cried out for a fake God to give a real answer, and a fake God gives a fake answer. There was no answer, there was no response, and nothing happened. As this bull was sitting up on the altar, and they were crying out for the fire to be somehow brought down on it, for this thing to light up, it did not happen. There was no lighting up. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. You got to remember how many have gathered together. He's like, everybody come close. I want you to hear me say this. Come near to me. All the people came near to him and he prepared the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. In the middle of all of this horrible idolatry worship, they had torn down the altar that was set up on Mount Carmel, and so now he's reestablishing it. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He put an altar back together, and he started out by saying, oh God, this is for you. May you get all the worship. These 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel Lord, you had a plan, and so we're leaning on you. It says, he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two seahs of seed. Everybody just say, that's a lot. That's all you need to know. That's a lot. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in places and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench with water. You got to picture it. There's this thousands of people up there on Mount Carmel. And he's like, all right, everybody, get in close. Come here. Rally in. That was a joke. Whatever just went down is ridiculous. We are here to worship the living God. And we're going to start by putting up an altar right here and 12 stones get put in place as he's preaching out 
one for each tribe of the nation of Israel to the God who answers prayer. And he sets up the altar. Then he cuts the bull and he sets it up on top. And he says, this will be worship. We are going to watch this bull as an offering be offered up to our God. You watch what happens. Now, he's going to light it on fire. But in case you thought, well, the wood's kind of dry. It'd be kind of easy to make a fire. Get some water. I want buckets of it. They come running over with four buckets of water and they throw it on top. It gets everything wet. Maybe like wood would be in your backyard if you've got kind of a fire pit thing going. And he's like, not wet enough. Get four more. They come running over again and throw it on. Now it's starting to drip over the sides. Not wet enough. Get more. And they go back and they get four more and they come running and they throw it. And now it's filled up the trench with water. Everything is soaking wet. The logs are ridiculously soaked. It would be very strange to think of lighting a fire in that moment. And all of God's people said, he's like, I'm just telling you, I'm making it super difficult for the fire to even be lit. At that time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Israel, Isaac, O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. His crying out starts by saying these simple words. I know who you are and I honor you. I respect you. Make sure your prayer always starts with respect. O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of Israel, Lord, we love you for what you're doing. Start with respect. And then he says, uh, and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things in and according to your word. You gave me these words to share out and I'm doing them according to you. Lord, please make this clear that I am your servant and I am here to glorify you. Cry out for his glory. That is a crushing, awesome prayer. Lord, I respect you. And Lord, I long for you to get the glory. And now, Lord, I also long for you to be elevated as it's made clear it is your word. He says, answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Lord, there's something about to happen and I know it's going to happen. And so as they start to turn back, can we please make it clear that it's not me turning them back? Let's make them clear that it's you turning them back. Lord God, answer in a way that is thunderous, that is obvious, that is amazing. Lord God, stir in a way that brings these people to a clarity that you are bringing them back. That's a thunderous prayer, man. This prayer calling out with extreme call for restoration as he's super fired up about what God is going to do. It says, then, everybody say then. After that thunderous prayer, then the fire of the Lord fell. The fire of the Lord came pouring down and look at what happened. It says it consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stone and the dust. This is, amen, man. 
This is not some little moment. This is not all of a sudden, and there's a little bit of fire. Everybody say, not that. This is not, and you got to go, ooh, that's a little hot. Everybody say, not that. This is like from the heavens, and everything goes up, man. There is a heat in that place. The people standing around go, whoa, they're backing up. Stones are going to ash. Wood is burned up and gone. The fire from the Almighty from heaven, as he says this, there is one God, and I am him. Man, lean on this. This is reality. Can you imagine all those who sent the representatives? And you are knowing that it's going to happen in Mount Carmel. However far away from you that is, as you're looking over, and you know it's about time for the offering, the time of oblation, and all of a sudden, from the heavens, down and and everything goes up, and now you see smoke over there. And you're like, I wonder which God that was. Somebody give me a memo. Who do we need to follow? Because the God who answers like that is real. And all of God's people said, man, I'm telling you, this is a huge moment. It says that it consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stone and the dust. I love this phrase. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. It was so hot that it began to evaporate the water. And while it was this deep, it just started to go down from the heat, changing it into vapor. It was that hot. Everybody say, God has a plan. And he answered with fire, and he made it clear. Man, there is one God, and there is one way to worship this God. May he get all the glory. You know, this past week, we uh, decided to update our house a little bit. It's, uh, it's been like, I don't even know how long, 12, 14 years since we bought some of the furniture. And uh, so we were like, hey, let's get a new kitchen table. So we bought a new kitchen table and chairs to go with it, just four chairs. It's a little smaller set that we could put on the side there, a little kitchenette thing, and, and, uh, but it's kind of a trendy thing. And we're like, yeah, that looks good. And, and so we got the chairs built and, and uh, three of them. We still had one left, and, and then the table was delivered. And so it was time to build the table, and, and John and Alyssa were pretty tired, so they went downstairs to watch a movie, and I'm like, no way, man. I'm building the table. It's here. We're doing it, right? And so I open it up, and I start taking it all apart, and you know, you get styrofoam all over the place, but you're at least getting it apart, getting it cut up. I'm setting these pieces all out, figuring out what has to happen. It's not really that complex. I take a quick look at the directions. I'm like, I got it. I get it. I see what's going on, and I end up kind of taking this thing, and it says, you need two people, and I'm like, says you, right? So I take the couch, and I lean it up against the couch. And I start to kind of balance things and stick them in and get them in place and start to bolt it down. And I actually get them kind of bolted in and it's getting there. I'm like able to kind of start tightening it down now. And I'm about ready to put it on top of the table and tighten it down. And I sit down on the couch to take a break. And I notice that it's not right. 
but I can't figure out why it's not right. And I'm sitting there looking at it as Jonna and Alyssa are now done with their movie and they came upstairs and she's like, oh, wow, you got a lot done. And I'm like, yeah, something doesn't look right. And she's like, oh, what do you think it is? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I noticed as I was looking at it that the table in the instructions was the opposite direction that I had. So I had actually put everything in up 180 degrees out, right? So I'm like, oh, I got to actually look at the directions. Got it. So I actually take it all apart. And as I get the bolts out of it, and it's leaning up against the couch, and now it's boltless, and I'm, da- I'm dangling in distress, <laughs> holding onto it, one of them decided to slip, and it goes, bang, and everything starts crashing down and rolling around, and things hit tables and bounced off, and in the end, I'm standing there holding nothing, and it's on the ground, and Alyssa walks out of her bedroom and goes, you okay? Need a little help? And I'm like, yeah, maybe I need a little help. So she came over, now we have two people, huh, isn't that weird how we needed two people? Now we have two people, and we put it in the right way and get it bolted down like almost in no time. Everything goes together. Get it set. Get the table over. Get it set on. Everything's fixed down. Crank it all down tight. Grant came over at that point from wherever you were out to. I'm not sure where you were that night, but Grant came over later on. We ended up flipping the table over, me and Grant did, and tightening everything else down and finishing it up. And the reality, isn't it amazing how you actually do it according to the directions and it works? Man, are you following your God in the one right way? There's myriad of ways where you can balance and you will end up falling. Are you going after him in the one right way? Are you following according to his word with depth and detail going after it with all you've got? Are you allowing your God to be worshipped truly? as you see him for all he is. How are you doing at following your king? And if we want to see his authority expressed, it's going to take being able to follow him clearly, see him fully. And now number three, authentically, completely, passionately worship your God as he works in your life. Authentically, completely, passionately worship your God as he works in your life life. It says, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Remember, he said, when we do this, if there's fire from Baal, worship Baal. If there's fire from the Lord, you worship the Lord. The people are like, all right, we're in. That sounds good. In the end, when they, when they cried out, nothing But when Elijah cried out, fire from heaven comes down, consumes it all, makes it clear, this is God. The people fall down on their face and they say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Everybody just say it with me. The Lord, he is God. Say it louder, say it bigger. The Lord, he is God. Fill this room with that truth. The Lord, don't miss it. We worship the alive, risen Savior. The Lord, he is God. 
May we celebrate the king who is alive. May we go after him with all we've got. May our lives worship him. May we be on our face before the living God. And all of God's people said, the Lord, he is risen. It says, and Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, that's right below Mount Carmel. If you're ever at Mount Carmel, you can actually see the Kishon brook right below. And there he slaughtered them and took their lives. This is God commanding. You took the people of Israel and you walked them into idol worship. That's done. Man, God takes sin seriously. Please hear me. If we're going to be done with sin, true repentance, we need to make sure that we're getting sin out of our heart. That's what they're doing, right? They're like, the Lord, he is God. They're turning and they're going after a worship of him. But it's also getting very real about sin in the camp and saying, that's got to go too. May God get all the glory. And these guys went after it hardcore according to what Elijah had called out to them. And they said very simply, We'll do exactly as you say now, Elijah, and what God Almighty has as a word for us. Man, this is a huge Old Testament moment that the law wasn't followed and there was complete disobedience and they were being led astray into idolatry and so the call was a punishment. And it's a huge deal that we grasp, getting our hearts right with God and saying, Lord, we long for sin to be out of this camp is absolutely where we need to go. May God get all the glory. Please hear me. Those are some heavy words right there. Are you ready to see sin gone, Savior celebrated? Sin gone, Savior celebrated. Man, if we go after that, it is then that we can see the authority of God moving in our life the expression of God in massive ways as he does stunning things in, around, and through you. We long to see him move. Lord God, may you stir in my life. May God get all the glory. Are you ready to see his authority? No more limping between two positions. And all of God's people said, Let's pray. 